0: is alive. Well that word is about to speak to us today. So let's tune into it from 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning at verse 9. The Bible says, "But you are a chosen generation. I'm just telling you some of you need to get this scripture and read it repeatedly. Some of you need to read this every single day because you're hearing In this scripture that you're chosen and you're royal and you're a holy nation and a special people and you are here to proclaim the praises of God because he brought you from darkness to light. This scripture will tell you that, but the enemy tells you something much different about you, which is why you need to fight the lies of the enemy with the truth of the word. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I'm so thankful for that mercy that we have attained. And I don't know if you know about it, but there is a royal revolution that we've been talking about going on at refuge. In other words, we are coming up out of the muck and mire of our pasts, our sin, our pain, our regrets, our abuse, our, uh, our, our, our mistakes, we're coming up out of the way that culture has tried to define us and people have tried to repress us. We're coming up out of the way that we've seen ourselves and we are now deciding to see us as God sees us and to see us as redeemed. Those who are covered in the very royal blood of Jesus. Those who have been brought in to his family to be made part of his kingdom. Those whom he calls children. And you say, well, I backed into salvation and God just had to accept me. Wrong answer. Romans 8 tells you you have been given the Spirit of of adoption. That means God chose you. He wanted you. Yes, he gave birth to you in in your new birth, but he also chose to adopt you because he wanted you in his family. And we are deciding that we are going to begin to live like the royalty we are called to be. Not compromising, not acting like the world, not acting like the flesh, but we really believe that we are a new creation in Christ. So my now can be different. My future can be different. My family can be different. What I do now can make a difference in the world for someone's eternity because i have become new and I'm not just any kind of new i am chosen generation and a royal priesthood and so now we have set the bar higher because we're not going to live just like church people just like religious people just like people that are a little bit uh, a little bit on the uh, hypocritical side no we've decided to embrace the royalty of God put on the righteousness of Christ and live like we came from another world because we did come from another world yeah I know you were born on planet earth but when You were born again, you were born again from the kingdom of God. You were born from above. You were born out of the of the heart and the mind and the redemption of Jesus. And so now you are royal, and we've decided we're gonna act like it. I know that'll make you different than other people. I know that'll make you misunderstood. I know that there's times that you won't even understand exactly why you're doing what you're doing, but the word says this is who I am, so I'm gonna live up to what God says I am, and He says you are royalty. I love royalty because royalty has resources. Kings have access to things where they can get things done. They have storehouses. They have treasure. They have financing. They know people. And guess what? You've got all of that in the kingdom. You are thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But, Pastor, I don't see in my hand the evidence that I have this or this. this. It doesn't matter what's in your hand. It matters what's in God's hands. And what's in his hand is bigger than the problem that you're facing. It's bigger than the obstacle and the opportunity. Well, pastor, I've had this opportunity to minister to this person, but I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't know if I'll know what to say. Jesus said, when you open your mouth, I will fill it. Why? Because he's got the words you need. And if you walk in the room understanding I am here on assignment as an ambassador of Christ, I have everything I need. I'm not scared to take a faith step. I'm not scared to open my mouth and talk to somebody. I'm not scared to pray with somebody. I'm not scared to, to sacrifice what God asked me to sacrifice. I'm not scared to give in a big faith-filled way. I'm not scared to take obedient steps. Why? Because what I need to get that done comes from heaven. It's supernatural. You can't see it, but it's real. In fact, it's more real than what you can see. Because this real stuff we see one day won't exist anymore. It'll all burn up in a little way, but, but that which is eternal, that which is of the kingdom, will always be. So, so, so we're letting go of who we were. And we're grabbing onto our identity in Christ, and you are a new creation, and you are royalty. And we're coming to accept the fact that having become a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, we don't live just any kind of way. We don't just accept any old standard. We're not living a purposeless, defeated life. No, we are royalty, and we're going to live like it. Jesus paid a very high price, not so we could be half-defeated our lives. He didn't pay a high price so we could just barely make it and not make a difference. No, he had a very different vision for us, and we're going to find it, and we're going to live in it. Now, if that doesn't describe your life, the life you're living today, the life of kingdom royalty, then the good news is you can come into the kingdom of God. You can come out of darkness and into the light. You can come away from sin and every kind of chain that's around your life, and you can be free and you can be forgiven. He reigned in Jerusalem three years. His mother was Makah, the granddaughter of Absalom. He committed the same sins as his father before him, and he was not faithful. To the Lord, his God, as his ancestor David had been, who is Abijam? That would be Asa's daddy. You have to understand that when Asa did come to the throne, he came from behind. He didn't come from a daddy who had set an amazing example of godliness. He didn't come from a daddy who had a long reign and successful. When he begins his reign... His daddy has been ungodly and only reigned three years. He's starting from behind. Asa's story begins with a failed king for a dad and a nation that was now steeped in idolatry and ungodliness because of 20 years of ungodly rule. So Judah was a spiritual mess. That's what Asa inherited. The Bible says Solomon ended up building shrines for his wives to worship at and even began worshiping Ashtoreth himself at those shrines. Rehoboam, who was after him, abandoned the law. And then Abijah after him, the Bible says, was not faithful and committed the sins of Rehoboam. That was Asa's predecessors. I don't know if you've ever taken a job to where three people prior to you in that job were absolute failures. But it doesn't set you up for a lot of success. You've got a lot of work to do to dig out of that. It's a, it's a problem. And this is what Asa inherited. Not only that, but when you, you may also know that very often the condition of Israel to the north and their kings would influence the spiritual health of Judah to the south. Judah would end up following the ungodly example of Israel so many different times. And during Asa's reign of 40 years, where he's already inherited a dumpster fire of a kingdom, he's inherited the reigns of three previous ungodly kings, including his dad's. He also inherits a relationship with Judah to the north, who had seven different kings during his rule, every single one of which were evil. And one of those kings was at war with Asa. Not only that, but at one point Ethiopia comes to fight him. And they brought an army twice the size of Judas. So if you say, well, Asa was set up for success, I mean, he had great circumstances. He had it all going his way and going for him. I would submit to you he did not have it going his way. He inherited a spiritual mess, a lineage of ungodly short ranged kings, a sister nation to the north that was nothing but ungodly, and then constant attacks. He didn't have it easy. That's not why he reigned for a long time. Sometimes we think, well, of course they can be successful. Things have been easy for them. I guarantee you if they're successful, it has not been easy for them. I guarantee it. We just don't know everybody's backstory. So here Asa is. He's going to rule 40 years godly. But it's not all because it's easy. It's because he had some different qualities. There was something different about him. Because this is the world you and I really live in. To where everything isn't on our side. Ungodly people around us. Maybe a lineage lineage and a heritage of people before us that weren't godly. And maybe what we've been handed is a dumpster fire of a situation of our life. And here we are deciding that we're to be a royal priesthood. How are we going to do that and have some longevity? Well, here's the thing. The Bible says that even if we come from unrighteousness, even if our history is unrighteous, and even if our actions are unrighteous, and even if we've had our own failures and we've stumbled, it's really time to break that cycle and stay put when things are hard and hold on when you want to let go because Proverbs 24, 16 says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. What makes him righteous is not that he never fell. What makes him righteous is that he got up. Don't expect to never fall, never have a moment, never have a weakness. You're expecting something of yourself that is going to make you demoralized when you do make a mistake because you thought you were to be perfect and yet you're still struggling to grow in God. You're not going to be perfect just yet. So when you fall, you just get up. You just get up. God allows U-turns and turnarounds and re-navigation and recalculating all the time. That's why many of us are even alive and in this room today. And when you fail in the future, just get up. The enemy's there to put his, his foot on your throat and say, See, you've blown it now. Why would he have to be telling you that? Because whether you've blown it or not is going to be actually up to you. If you were destroyed over your failure, the enemy wouldn't have to condemn you for anything. You'd already be condemned. But the reason he speaks to you and discourages you and says negative things to you when you've missed it, when you've made a mistake, is because he knows you have to sign off on the death certificate and he's got to get you to believe that you can't get up. But if you realize righteous people do get up. I will reach up to the hand of God that brought me out in the first place and he'll bring me out again. That's longevity. Because over time, you'll have moments of weakness. You'll have moments that are less than stellar. You'll have moments that you really don't want to publish on Facebook and the Gram and Snap and all the stuff. What are you going to do? You're going to get back up. That's what you're going to do. By the way, church family... I think you need to be used by God to bear one another's burdens. And one of the ways you can do it is when somebody in this body has fallen, when they're hurting, when they're desperate, when they think they've blown it, you tell them you're going to get back up. I'm not going to let you self-destruct. I'm not going to let you hate yourself. I'm not going to let you wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to let you quit church without me calling you all the time. I'm not going to let you out of this. And by the way, I'm going to help you get up. Because it will require you getting up again if you're going to have longevity. Because longevity won't be because you're perfect. It'll be because you repeatedly got up. Resilience is the word. Because we're all going to face problems and pain and enemies. But Asa wasn't defined by what overcame him. He was defined by what he overcame. Let it be that at the end of your life we don't look back and say, you know, they had so many problems Let's look back and say, look at all the stuff they overcame. That's royalty. That's longevity. We have the opportunity every day to overcome or be overcome. And you get to decide which one it's going to be. You've got a life to live and you've got a destiny to arrive at from God. It's time to just embrace resilience and keep going and keep going. And I hear that prophet Dory say, just keep swimming. When you say, Pastor, I don't think I can make it to the end of this thing I'm going through or this thing that I'm assigned to do. I don't think I can make it to the end. Okay, then make it one more day. I don't think I can, Pastor, I can't make it one more day. Okay, make it one more hour. Pastor, I'm not sure this hour is really hard. I'm not sure I can make it through this hour. Make it one more moment. Can you overcome one minute? Then you can overcome that minute, then overcome the next minute, then overcome, but whatever you do, just don't give up. Resilience doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to show up for work. Asa demonstrated another key to longevity, not just resilience. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 3. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods at the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord god of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment and he also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him also by the way if you get rid of the idolatry it's imagine it's amazing what kind of peace you'll have the kingdom became quiet when he got rid of the opposing gods but there's something else here 2 Chronicles 15 there's a point to all this I'll show you I'll show you verse 16 also, he removed Micaiah, the mother of Asa the king. Wait, his mom? From being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah and Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. You will not live in longevity without resilience, and without courage. As you look forward and you're going to press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God, you're going to fulfill God's call, you're going to overcome the enemies, you're going to overcome sin. If you're going to do that, it's going to require some courage. And I'm going to tell you, Asa had it. He had it because when he took over, the people were two decades deep in worshiping idols. They thought this is the way we're, we're supposed to worship. They thought, this is what the other kings have told us. And he's willing to just bash all of that and say, no, we've disobeyed God. And so the way you've been worshiping for two decades, for some of them, that's the only worship they had ever known their entire life. If you were 20 years old or younger, worshiping these false gods was all they knew. And he said, I'm sorry, but we're going to break all your altars because all of this is false. All of these are lies. These are no gods at all. And I've got the courage to take all y'all on. He was feeling froggy. <laughs> I've got the courage to take all y'all on and say, we're going to break all of this because we're not going to worship like that anymore. That's courageous. He found out what the truth was and he said, I'm going to walk in truth regardless of what happens. You know how much victory you start getting when you say, I found out the truth. And I'm going to live by the truth no matter who likes it, who doesn't like it, who approves what culture thinks. This is true. The Bible is true. And I'm going to live like it's true if I'm the last person on earth to do it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It may be hard from without, but in within you'll have a lot of peace. And you'll walk in victory because now God's behind you. Lots of courage. God give us the courage as we walk through this life to face every challenge and opportunity and stand for what's right. Courage means you're in the driver's seat. See, fear and intimidation means that the problem and the temptation and the person and the compromise, that's in the driver's seat. But when you get courageous, then you've taken the wheel back. You've taken the reins. You've decided you're going to let God be your ally and you're going to let truth be your protection and you're going to let the word be the foundation you build on When all the idols have fallen, you'll still be standing. And he didn't stop there. Asa didn't just abolish the idolatry. He commanded the people to pursue the Lord. That's interesting for a king. He didn't say, well, here's an option I'd like you to live by. Nope. He said, this is what we're going to do. That almost sounds like somewhere else in Scripture. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, anything under my influence, we're walking with God. Make the and sometimes it's not just other people, sometimes you've got to talk to your tongue that way. As for me and my tongue today, we're gonna serve the Lord. As for me and my attitude, today we're gonna serve the Lord. Whatever is in your reign of dominion, you'd make the decision we are going to serve God. Period. We're not backing up, we're not backing down. He insisted on following the word. Somewhere along the line, you gain courage when you decide that the word is worth standing for. And look how far his courage took him. He deposed the queen mother. Now, based on the scholar you speak with, some say this was referring to his mother. Some say it's referring to his grandmother. Either way, I mean, which one of them you want to take on, your mama or your grandmama? Probably neither one. This means he was only controlled by his love and obedience to God, even if it meant deep cuts in his relationships, even if it was difficult for the family to understand, I have to go with what's right. God give the church in America a backbone again to live by what's right only. He purged his country he cleaned his house. If it was evil, it had to go. I'm just gonna tell you, church, if we want longevity, if it's evil in our lives, it's got to go. It doesn't make us legalists, it makes us people of holiness, which we are called to. If it's evil, it has to go. Why is that so, Pastor? Why is holiness what's embraced and and, and venerated in Scripture, and evil must be eradicated? Well, there's many reasons, but here's a good one where longevity is concerned. Do you realize for God to be holy, for God to be eternal, he has to be holy? Because if he weren't holy and pure, if he had anything corrupt in him, corruption isn't eternal. Corruption, by definition, is death and destruction. So, God to be eternal has to be holy. Whatever you want to make eternal, whatever you want to last, family, your career, your walk with God, whatever it is that you want to last, holiness has to be the priority because corruption will destroy it. Evil and sin will eat it and erode it away. Holiness is necessary for eternality. And Asa set himself up to be able to reign for a long time because he eradicated the land of impurity. Now I can tell you about 2 Chronicles 15 that says that the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, And he brought a message to to Asa. And he said, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And he goes on in verse 7, he says, but you, be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols. He had already been doing that, and now he even gets more zealous about it from the land of Judah and Benjamin and from all the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim and he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord and here's the key in 2024 nobody goes much of anywhere without a navigation device of some sort we used to call it a map and an atlas anybody ever Remember trying to fold up a gas station map that you unfolded and then trying to fold it up right? It almost can't be done. That was our navigation device then. We've got other navigation devices now, a little more sophisticated, not any more reliable, but... You realize that there's a lot of your devices, if you ask directions to refuge, it'll take you the other side of Nettleton to Stone Street up... Some of you may have tried that at one point. You can't rely on all the navigation. But there's always a navigation device for every person, including the believer. And for Asa, when God spoke to him through this prophet, that created his direction. His navigation device was the voice of the Lord. What's yours? Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or wherever you turn to the left, if you're going to enter into longevity, if you're going to make it, if you're going to last, you're going to have to be tuned in and sensitive. There's the, there's the word sensitivity to the voice of God. Because he is the guide into all truth. And if you follow him, he only leads you into long journey. He only leads you into success and victory and overcoming. He only leads you into God's path. It is reliable to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he will only lead you into truth. But so many of us struggle with hearing God. And I have a key verse for you. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. How does hearing come? Hearing comes by the word of God. Hearing is developed by the word of God. Is God speaking to you now? Yes, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So there's a voice to hear and you get to hear it. How do I discern it? How do I know it? Well, you have to know his voice sounds like his word. And the more you're in the word and you let yourself be familiar with God's written word, you will become acquainted with his voiced word. And when the whisper of the Holy Spirit lines up with the Bible, you'll know, oh, that's, that's God's word. And when a voice comes and it's nothing like the Bible, you will also know that is not God's word. So if you want to know his voice, get to know his word. His voice will always sound. Whether it comes from a dream or a person or an audible voice or skywriting or wherever he's speaking to you, it will sound like his word. And then you'll know. Now, here's the beauty of longevity. Rhonda, you can come. Longevity isn't the end in itself because 1 Kings 22, 42 says this. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. Pastor, I thought we were talking about Asa. Hold on. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. And he walked in all the ways of his father, Asa. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. See, because Asa found the keys to longevity, he had the opportunity to leave a legacy. And his legacy outlived him. He had trained his son with his own example of how we have a godly kingdom, of how we handle people, how we make decisions and by being that example and sowing that into his son then when he was off the scene yet his godly legacy continued so longevity doesn't just keep you in the game but it'll keep your kids in the game longevity is worth it because you're sowing into other generations something right now your example of good or ill What you do lives on after you. Regardless, not just good. The legacy of what what you are and what you do lives on after you, whatever it is. But what if you choose godly longevity? Then you're giving your children, your grandchildren, your spiritual children the fighting chance to have longevity too. That means hanging in there isn't just about you hang in there for the next generation. Don't give up because they need the chance to know the God you know. Stand firm. Overcome adversity. Give them an example to follow. Give them inspiration to persevere once you're gone. Longevity creates legacy. People that come and go from your life usually make little impact. There are some people that have stayed with you over the long haul. You'll never forget them. Be the one that stays. People are abandoning the folks all around you. Be the one that stays. Be the one that is demonstrating longevity and see if it doesn't leave them a legacy. That's one of the ways of royalty. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Father, it's been a very good day in your house. But now, Lord, we've got to become doers of the word and not hearers only. And we've got to choose longevity. So let this message absolutely echo in our hearts long after this service is over. Let the seed of the word be planted deep in our spirits so that it will grow a harvest of endurance. In Jesus' name, I will mention to you, and then we'll pray our final prayer. Today is Grow Group Sunday. If you don't have a Grow Group, I would encourage you, we meet once a month for Grow Groups on the third Sunday. Some are at noon, there'll be two groups meeting right after the service. Some in the afternoon, some later in the day. If you don't have a group, you need to connect with one. There's a little teaching, a little discussion, a little prayer a lot of food and fellowship. I want you to connect with one if you haven't. If you don't don't have a group, Haley's going to be in the East Lobby. You can go talk to her at the desk and she'll get you in contact with your options and your opportunities. So be sure and do that when we leave. But if you're like me this morning and this message of Asa challenges you to live a life of longevity, things of God. Would you stand and would you let the Lord know this morning, I'm going to stay. I'm going to not quit. I'm going to keep walking and press toward the mark. Father, we are in this room today. We know that the ideal is for us to stay with you, walk with you, never give up, never give in, never back down. And so this morning, that's what we've decided. Lord, if you will enable it, your word says you told Asa if he walked with you, you would walk with him. Lord, we claim that. We're going to walk with you, and we know you're going to walk with us. Now, Lord, give us the heart of longevity that no matter what the opportunities to quit, lay aside, go back, are, that we'll never take the exit ramp. But we'll stay and we'll press toward the mark you've laid out for us. And I thank you that you're making us those who are royalty in your eyes leaving a legacy. In Jesus' name. Amen.